The Green Bay Packers got 11. 11 picks? 11. And that's not even talking about the undrafted guys that they got again, like a Danny Davis. All right, so uh, diving into the NFL draft uh, momentarily. First, line one, good morning. Who's this? Hey, Ebo. Hey, Ron, what's up, dude? Hey, man, the Bucks, man, they were balling yesterday. Bucks man. be balling, Ronnie. What do you think? A triple-double from Giannis Dendekumo and Drew Holiday uh, leading the way. He, uh, hey, he made the play of the playoffs. The the uh, oop to himself off the backboard? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was sick, dude. That was awesome. <laughs> I was like, hell yeah. And he did that against the Bulls, too. Yeah. Uh, last series, first round. This one seemed a little more impressive, though. Yeah, Rod, what do you think? Bucks <laughs> going to be doing? Are they going to be clearing? What do you got? Bucks in four, Bucks in five, Bucks in six, Bucks in seven. Uh, I I got the Bucks in five. Hell yeah, dude! Like, yeah, so yeah, the the series just shifted to their favor. Yep, I love it, dude. Went to TD Garden and punked them, punked those yeah. leprechauns. <laughs> hey, Ron, what do you think of the Packers draft? Really quick, you like it? Uh Solid. Solid. Like a, a rock. I give my A. I love it. All right, we're going to talk some yeah. draft, Ron. Nice hearing from you, buddy. Have a good Monday, my yeah. friend. See ya. Fear yeah. the deer. Ron, Ron going bucks and five. Hell yeah. All right. Rowdy's, what did you say, Rowdy? Bucks and six or less? Yeah, I mean, before the series started, I we didn't actually give out legit predictions, but I was going to say bucks and seven. Yeah. So I don't I, know. So After what they did to the Celtics. I was going to say bucks and six. After what they did to the Celtics yeah, and the way that they're shooting the basketball <laughs> and Giannis played well, but he didn't play great. Like it was a lot of volume shooting for him to get the the points. Yeah, nine to 25. Um, yeah, I think that they could really dismantle the Celtics yeah. five, six. <laughs> we'll get into it. I got comments from Drew Holiday, Giannis, uh, Mike Budenholzer, et cetera, coming up here uh, at eight o'clock. Uh, but first, getting into the NFL's draft, specifically for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, we kind of had the reaction on Friday, but just going to kind of revisit it. Uh, just go pick by pick here. First round pick number 22, Quay Walker, the linebacker out of Georgia. Big fan of the pick. You guys, not of approval, seal of approval, Quay Walker? I think it was a little I think it was a little bit of a reach, but at the same time, I, I get it. Yeah. And then coming in at number 28, Devontae Wyatt went back-to-back with Georgia boys. Georgia, Georgia. Uh, what do you guys think here? Uh, Rowdy, you had him get this guy picked. You didn't think he'd get this one. Well, yeah, I had Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt as guys that I liked, but I didn't even think Wyatt would be a legit option for the Green Bay, not only at 28, but at 22 as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was, he, even as some experts, had him being the best defensive lineman in that draft, better than Jordan Davis, who went to the Eagles in, what, the teens? Yeah. So... Great value in at that number 28 position in Devontae Wyatt. I think you got, well, if you look at those first two guys in the first two or in the first round, Quay Walker is going to come in in your traditional three, four and be the other inside linebacker next to Devondre Campbell. You solidified your inside linebacker position for probably the rest of Aaron Rodgers career. Yeah. And then Devontae Wyatt potentially being the best defensive lineman in that, uh, in that draft. You once again now have a really deep defensive line where you you went from just having like a, a Dean Lowry and a Me Kenny Dean. Clark last year to all of a sudden you have Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, Jaron Reed, and Devontae Wyatt with Tradero Slayton. Mm-hmm. I mean that's that's a pretty deep defensive line with a lot of guys showing that they can play in the NFL. Yeah. And and that was your first two picks in the draft, but you got two really good on paper, two guys that should come in and be 
uh, at least having some impact on the season from day one. Yeah. Right. Then coming in round number two, pick number 34, uh, one that I really liked. I know Rowdy had him on his board as well. Uh, RJ, I think you liked it too. Christian Watson, a receiver out of North Dakota State. Packers in that second round mm-hmm. get their wide receiver. Uh, 43 passes, seven touchdowns last season for a small school program, the Bison. Yeah. I, I I like this guy. I dig it. Well, Drop rate Runs though a four three six. Drop yeah. rate though twelve percent. Christian but. Watson's a huge I mean, dude. Devontae Adams was known for dropping the ball out of college yeah. too. Yeah. Christian Watson, huge dude. I mean, listed at six four, about two ten. Like you said, ran a, a sub four four. Mm-hmm. He was in the four threes. Pretty much has every single intangible when it comes to athletic ability. Yeah. But the one big thing was like his drops. drops yep. And it was the fact that he didn't play against the greatest competition being at Division One Double A. But uh you know what was hilarious? How man, all Friday all we talked about was the fact that the Packers had not drafted another wide receiver in the first round since two thousand two and Javon Walker. You know who most of the people comped Christian Watson to? Jordy Nelson. No. Oh. Uh, Megatron. Nope. Uh, Javon Walker. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> funny, funny enough, right? Like, <laughs> I saw some people saying he's like the next Jordy Nelson for the Packers. Well, he's taller than Jordy Yeah, Nelson. I just kept seeing that. I'm like, okay, well, I'll, right. I'll take that. I saw a lot of comps for him being Javon Walker, and I just thought it was kind of funny because a lot of people were, you know, kind of bitching how the Packers had not drafted a, a wide receiver in the first round yeah. for forever. And the last one was Javon Walker. And then Christian Watson Watson's comp was Javon. Walker. Well, then I have yeah. this uh, and our guy on Twitch here, DJ war says drafting an FCS guy to be your number one. Isn't a way to build your team. We'll see with the, Why co- not? we talked about how they didn't go it's wide receiver <laughs> in the first round because those top six guys were gone. And then that next four was Christian Watson it was Sky Moore, it was John Mechie, and it was, um, who's the last one? Oh, George Pickens. Yeah. I was a little higher on Sky Moore than the average person. I was a little lower on George Pickens than the average person. Watson was like, to me, kind of more like the, the boomer bus guy, mm-hmm. where it was like he's got all the traits, but there's some question marks. He could be really, really good, or he could just kind of be okay. You know what I mean? I feel like he was the one out of that group that was like really more boomer bust for me. Yeah. Well, I, okay. I, I saw a little like a little knock on Christian watches. North Dakota State is a top program among the small schools, but Green Bay is taking a big gamble that Watson can hack it against professional defenses. Uh, it's like I always in this kind of camp. If you're good, you're good. They'll find you. Yeah. If you're good, you're good. Also, uh, where's, North Cooper, to- where's Cooper Cup from again? Where did he go to school? Eastern Washington, I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. But by the way, That's North not Dakota even one State that is a, one of the top tier programs. <laughs> yeah, they've, they've come on recently. If you're good, you're good. North Dakota State actually had more guys drafted than oh, I forget who it was. They listed a few schools. Yeah, like, it was like they, with, they compared them to one. I can't remember what school it was, but it's like more, a big power five yeah, school. It was more, like they had more guys drafted than them. More yeah. first top 100 draft picks in the last X amount of years. More than, I mean, Wisconsin was there, Minnesota, Nebraska. Um, you could probably just name the Big Ten West, uh, maybe outside of Iowa, and they were all on that list. And then, yeah, there were some other 
bigger programs that not in the Big Ten yeah. that were on that list too. I think you sent that to us, didn't you? Yeah, yeah I just you don't did. remember. I'll get we'll get back to the wide receivers here uh, coming up um, at eight o'clock. But right, the final pick in the third round before we get to fourth and beyond uh, was the tackle out of UCLA. Sean is it Sean Ryan. Am I saying that right? Yeah, yeah Sean, Sean Ryan. Ryan. He's uh, I I like the look of the dude. Like. The little belly, yeah. the belly shirt he's got rocking, and the long locks. He looks like a guy that's ready to just plug a big old hole. See, I and absolutely, get going. I absolutely love what the Green Bay Packers did on the offensive line. Yeah, you talk about Sean Ryan was a, a three year starter at UCLA, and he's a guy that uh, he played tackle. He's projected to be more of a guard in the NFL. But here's the thing: you look at the the Green Bay Packers line; it's actually pretty good. The, the Green Bay Packer current offensive line before this draft, there's just no depth to it. Yeah. It's like they got about six really good offensive linemen that are NFL caliber mm-hmm. that are going to step in and play well, but they needed to add depth. Sean Ryan, like I said, playing three years at tackle, they said he's got a little bit shorter arms, so he probably projects more into the guard position. Big boy. But it sounds like at the worst, he's going to be a guard or like a swing tackle where he can play both guard and tackle in a pinch. Yeah. I actually like that pick because he gives you flexibility and he's a guy that at the very least gives you depth at multiple positions on the offensive line. Yeah. I mm-hmm. will do the rest of the picks coming up here just up against the break. Ooh, I, did, coming in. I did find that uh, tweet Rowdy sent us. Top 35 draft picks since 2016. North Dakota State, three. Michigan State, two. Wisconsin, two. Oklahoma State, one. Minnesota, one. Tennessee, one. Nebraska, zero. And Texas, zero. Yeah, and Juice McCracken. They're back, though. Yeah, I got Juice, Juice McCracken. McCracken found the tweet that Juice I was talking Juice Man Joe. About. North Dakota State had more picks this year than Texas. Thank you, yeah. Juice Man Joe. Thank you. We love you. But, but Texas te- is back. Yes. <laughs> okay, cool. Hook them. Hook them. Recapping the Packers draft that was, and uh, let's see here. We already talked. We talked about it on Friday. Yeah, just like quick recap yeah. on what we already talked Pick about. Pick 22, Quay Walker, linebacker out of Georgia. Maybe a little bit of a reach, but you shirt up your inside linebacker position. Pick 28, De- uh, Devontae Wyatt, defensive lineman out of Georgia. Really good value. He was expected expected to go in the teens. Again, helps sure up that defensive line. Should co- Both those guys should come in and play uh Decent, decent uh, amount. Yeah. Round two, pick number 34. A lot of people actually had this that they wanted in the first round for the Packers, or even, I'm sorry, the second, or the first round. Yeah, excuse me. I know Corey Marshall had said it, our guy Nick Langer had said it. But round two, pick number 34, they get Christian Watson, the receiver out of North Dakota State. Yeah, to me, this he's kind of like the boomer bust, right? Like, he, he's got all the traits in the world. He's got the size. He's got the speed. He's got the quickness. He's got the... Uh, the bloodline with his father and what was it, uh, brother and uncle all playing or whatever it was. My man's got it all. And the only question is, there are some drops, and he didn't play against the best competition because he was in Division One Double A. But a uh, lot, lot of upside for Christian Watson. Third round, pick number 92, Sean Ryan, the tackle out of UCLA. Really like this guy. Yeah, and, and he's a guy that's going to be versatile. I mean, he played left tackle, like I mentioned, for UCLA for three years projects inside to a guard but i mean worst case scenario he probably also helps you out in a pinch as a swing tackle all right rowdy and then we'll pick it up right where we left off first or sorry fourth round pick number 132 another wide receiver out of nevada romeo dubs dubs romeo dubs and this is a guy that was on my list too The Packers actually took quite a bit of them you and brian gutekunst with that uw lacrosse education route you guys had a mind meld going 
But I mean, when you look at this, so this is a guy, it's funny because when the Green Bay Packers signed Snoop Dogg's nephew. Yo, what up, Naf? Kashawn, what was it? Kashawn Nixon? Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, Romeo Dubs is a guy that played for Nevada. But before that, he actually played in Snoop Dogg's like peewee football league, which is pretty funny. It's really funny. Snoop Dogg littered now on this uh, this roster here for the Packers, Rowdy. <laughs> he does one halftime show, and all of a sudden the Packers need some Snoop Dogg themselves. Yeah. The, the, Goody must have been a big fan of that but, halftime show. I mean, you look at Dubs, and this is a guy that he had multiple seasons at Nevada where he had over 1,000 yards receiving. Nixon. He's a guy that has really good size. He's got good speed. Uh, this again, I mean, he does. It's not when you get down here, it's not like that. All these guys are, are super good and super polished at everything, but he's got the size. He's got the speed. He, they say he's just a, a competitor when he, when he steps on the field. But like when you look at his weaknesses, they said, you know, maybe doesn't run like the best, maybe doesn't run the, the smoothest routes. Yeah. But I mean, this is a guy that's going to have talent. He played well on the field, and he he tested pretty well. So uh, excited! Another wide receiver. Hopefully, something you know comes of it. Obviously, fourth round pick number one thirty two. Um, let's see here. They say this is an attempt to find more of a replacement for MVS and his field stretching prowess, as opposed to short yardage possession type. Yeah, or, he's going to be the guy running a lot of downfield downfield routes, like your seam routes, and and, and kind of like the go routes. But I mean, in the fourth round, they, I thought it was a pretty yeah. solid pick. And then also in the fourth round, Rowdy picked number 140. They go Zach Tom, two first names. Zach Tom, the offensive lineman out of Wake Forest. He was another guy that I read off when we were doing our position by position. I love this pick in the fourth round. Zach Tom played left tackle, but he projects inside and they're projecting him as a center. Mm-hmm. I think it was Lewis Riddick on ESPN's coverage that said he wouldn't be surprised if Zach Tom was the starting center for the Green Bay Packers starting next season. Interesting. Like they're talking about how good this guy is. And weirdly enough, when you say he projects to play center, he was a tackle. He played left tackle in the ACC for, for Wake Forest. And Jermaine Johnson, one of the first round picks for the New York Jets, who I thought, oh man, he's still on the board. Maybe the Packers are going to take him, but he continued to slide. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to be like this huge upside pass rusher. He didn't do anything. Zach Tom <laughs> completely Tom. neutralized him. And that's not even the position they expect him to play at the highest level. Yet that guy was supposed to be a, a first round pick with high upside. Yeah. Like Zach Tom in the fourth round. Great value. He's going to come in, probably play center at, at the worst. He's going to be depth, a, a solid depth, kind of like Sean Ryan at the very worst. Love it. And probably also can play guard in a pinch for you. All right, Rowdy, uh, next up, I have the clip because we were tr- struggling a little bit with uh, the pronunciation of the last name. would like to get it correct, so I have the actual draft pick. So let's take a listen so we can get it correct here for pick number, uh, what was that, round five, pick number 179. Let's see here. NFL draft, the Green Bay Packers select Kingsley Inagbari, linebacker from South Carolina. And Negbari, uh, that guy didn't sound as confident either. So <laughs> we're just going to go with that. Uh, what do you think of that? Another Kingsley on the team, Rowdy. Uh, no Kiki, though, but Kingsley uh, Ingbari. Let's see. Go ahead. 
Inegbari from South Carolina. South Carolina, actually. Inegbari from... Nailed it. Inegbari. Got it. No well, doubt. this is Never a guy that uh, I know a lot of people were pretty excited about when they drafted him. He was... So he's a, an edge rusher, essentially. Linebacker yeah. for um, South Carolina. Now we know that... Uh, the the Green Bay Packers could use another edge rusher because, well, Zadarius Smith obviously moved on. You still have Rashawn Gary. You still have Preston Smith. Jonathan Garvin will still be there. He showed some flashes here and there, but he was a seventh-round pick out of Miami yeah. and a special teamer. You needed some more depth. Kingsley Inagbari. Nailed it. He, this is a guy who was getting second to third-round grades in the draft. Like ec- Draft experts were giving him second, third-round value. Packers got him in the fifth round. They got him in the fifth round. And when you look at uh, some of his like strengths and weaknesses, they say at the very minimum, like his floor will be a guy that can play like on the, on the uh, strong side and basically be a good run defender. Uh, And you watch him. He actually did. His win rate was insanely good. He had a win rate in college, like coming off the edge. Mm -hmm. That was like in the top five. But yet, somehow he was available in the fifth round when receiving such high grades. Crazy. Glad the Packers were able to get him. Uh, No sixth-round pick because they were uh, wheeling and dealing a little bit. And then Rowdy in the seventh round. This guy grew up a Green Bay Packers fan. Uh, There's a picture of him going viral on Twitter of him wearing the Packers Super Bowl shirt. A seventh-round Tariq Carpenter safety out of Georgia Tech. Yeah, now this is – you know whose replacement this is? Oren Burks. Yeah. This is exactly what Oren Burks was. He was like the – you know, kind of big to be that safety, so you kind of put him in the box. Kind of small to be that legit inside linebacker. So he's kind of like that hybrid, hoping that he could cover more of the tight ends or running backs, but at the same time can give a little bit of run support as well. Yeah. So th- this guy, Oren Burks never panned out. One, he couldn't stay healthy, and then when he was on, on the field, it was very blah. Questionable. Yeah, but they wait. What would he was like? A wasn't he a third round pick, second round? He was like a decently high valued pick when it came to the draft, and it, it just didn't work out. Now they're trying to get basically his replacement in the yeah, seventh or, round. Or, Oren Brooks, third round, third round, third round pick. Yep. For Oren Brooks, and then yeah, I, and, I mean, I dig at it. the very least, he's a Packer fan. He, he he's <laughs> trying to beat. Oren Burke's replacement, and he brings a lot of special teams value. Yep. And then there's this. Th- we were talking about mountain men and not the show, but dudes that are like look like they'd be a, a mountain. Jonathan Ford out of Miami, a defensive tackle in the seventh round. 6'5", 333 pounds. This dude is a big boy. What do you think? I know it's the seventh round, but what do you think of Jonathan Ford, Rowdy? Yeah, that's basically it. I think he's just huge. At, at times... When they're in the seventh round and they acquired so many seventh round picks, I feel like you draft some of these guys so you don't have to get into like preferred free agent battles. Yeah. Again, this is just more defensive line depth. Like you said, he's huge. He's huge. He's like 335 pounds. Three, they got to listen at 355. 350. Whew. Six. I, I saw 6'5, six, not 6'6. Six, six. Split the difference. I don't care if you're 355. I don't care if you're 6'5", 335, or 6'6", 355. That's a big human being. He is a a big boy. And then, oh, I'm sorry. No, you're right. He is 333, excuse me. It's the next pick who's 355. The next guy is 355. That would be Rashid Walker, the offensive lineman out of Penn State. He's 6'6", 355. And I thought this was a this was Two a mountain men. Great draft pick for the, for the Green Bay Packers. Because... We've been talking about it. 
They have a they have good offensive line. They needed depth. Mm-hmm. I think every single one of these offensive linemen that they drafted, whether that be uh, Sean Ryan in the third round, Zach Tom in the fourth round, or Rashid Walker in the seventh round, I think all of them have a real legit shot at potentially starting. Love and it. and like Rashid Walker. That's another guy out of Penn State, super athletic, and you talked about how big he was, but I think one of the the bigger things with what the Packers did this year, it was getting it was getting value. Rasheed Walker was supposed to be, I believe, like a third, fourth round pick. Seventh like, round. They got him in the seventh round, and he's an athletic tackle. You look at the cur- current offensive line with Elton Jenkins being hurt and probably not going to start the season and maybe not getting back until November. Mm-hmm. That right tackle position is kind of a question mark. Obviously, Elton Jenkins can play anywhere on the line. He played center in college. He was playing guard and tackle for the Packers and doing it well. But now you have what? Yosh Neiman. Mm. He's a guy that Yosh, Yosh, Yosh. They, they think he can play right tackle, but they don't know if they want to spend the entire season with him as your right tackle. Mm-hmm. I think Rasheed Walker, maybe if he can plays well, has a shot at maybe a. Uh, unseating him as potentially He's a starting huge. right tackle. He's and huge. again, it's offensive line depth and tackle depth with guys that are athletic. Remember uh, a pretty good tackle that the Green Bay Packers got and he played a decade for them and he was a seventh round pick, Mark Tauscher. Pretty, Ever heard of him? I've, I think I have. I think he's pretty <laughs> that, good. That worked out pretty well. I don't think they minded that pick. And then, Rowdy, the last pick that the Packers had, in the seventh round, pick number 258, another wide receiver. This one out of Nebraska. Samari Toure. Yeah, this is a guy that... Uh, Five catches over 50 yards last year. He tested extremely, extremely well at the combine and the pro day. Like, he had, like, legit slot receiver numbers. Now, granted, he played on a pretty crappy team. And I think we all watched Nebraska over the past few years. Mm-hmm. Quarterback play was below average and Martinez has not been good since they hyped him up to win that, that Heisman. But again, it's a guy that's, he's a slot. He tested well. He's, he's had some, some time at Nebraska, but he'll be trying to make the roster. Yeah. So there you go. There's the Packers draft. That was a great draft. I I think they they, knocked it out of the park. Yeah. I think they tell, but uh, on paper, I think they hit a home run when it came to the offensive line. You got two solid defensive starters that'll come in and play day one. And you got Romeo dubs and Christian Watson who have some upside at receiver and not to mention Kingsley and Nigbari. nailed it. See, look at that. We got a no problem. He, he, that's a guy that he could very well become all of a sudden your third edge rusher. Gudekunst, give yourself a pat in the back and everyone else involved. Well done. It's that UW lacrosse education shining through. Because you and Goody, Rowdy. One year apart. <laughs> yeah. You and Goody had, I mean, Gudekunst, more evidence that everyone listens to the show. Rowdy went position by position each day. Uh, what, what was that, like a week and some change leading up to the draft? And just about everyone Rowdy had mentioned, guess who picked him up? Brian Gutekunst. Yeah, let's see. Quay Walker made the list. Devontae Wyatt technically didn't make the list because I said he'd be gone already. Well, you said he liked him. That's two. Romeo Dubs, three. Zach Tom, four. And Rashid Walker, five. So out of the 11 picks, you had five of them on your list that you wanted the Packers to take. Yeah, I like their draft. I think... More evidence, everyone listens. Thank you, Brian Gutekunst. You're again, a big fan. I think they pretty much 
the one thing that you I think you could criticize them for? Because I, I really can't argue many of the positions they went after. They went after almost every single position that they needed to. Yeah. What's the only, maybe they could have added a, uh, like a corner. Maybe that's about it. Mm. I th- maybe some people would have said a punter, but they already signed Pat O'Donnell. <laughs> Pat O'Donnell. I, I think the only other thing you could really criticize them for on paper is maybe more people would have expected them to go get, instead of Quay Walker, who some people thought was a reach, a receiver, but those receivers weren't there. No, yeah. They would have had to have traded up. Yeah, but we're not going to do that. Your Milwaukee Bucks, our, our Milwaukee Bucks, the people's Milwaukee Bucks, getting it done over the Boston Celtics, throttling and dismantling at TD Garden. I heard all week coming in, well, I guess after Wednesday when the Bucks finally dispatched the Bulls. Oh, the Celtics are the best team. They're top to bottom. They can defend. They can score. They can do it all. They got the best player in the world in Tatum. <laughs> Rowdy, what happened yesterday at TD Garden? Tip off at noon. What, ha- what happened to that best team in the Boston Celtics? Top to bottom. Best player. What happened, Rowdy? What happened? They got spanked. <laughs> they got Spanked. The, the Celtics got smoked. That was a smoke show. But like, Giannis Dendekumo drew holiday. The Giannis the left no doubt about who the best player in the NBA currently left in these playoffs was. Mm-hmm. Like, just some of the videos of Jason Tatum trying to guard him were laughable. <laughs> Keyword, trying. Right? Well, that's what it was. And, yeah. and like we said, Giannis didn't even play great. Giannis played good and got a. Tri- he played decent and got a triple double. Wow! Uh, and a quote from Marshall quoted. I'll quote it again to quote the great Ice Cube. Last week, after rounding, got a triple double. Or yesterday, after rounding, got a triple double. Today, yesterday was a good day for Giannis Adenakumbo. So, should we read too much into this game one win? You know, it is a best of seven series. The Celtics are a good team. There's a reason why they're the two seed. Um, or should we be puffing our chest out over the Milwaukee Bucks? I think I think you should be puffing your chest out just because when your superstar doesn't shoot the ball well, this is a guy that, I mean, he shot the ball 25 times, mm-hmm. and he only made nine. But he was rebounding, he was distributing, and the guys around him, like the Connaughtons, the Allens, and the Bobby Portises of the world, Bobby. continuing to hit shots, and you stole game one in Boston. And Paulie, our, our resident Celtic fan, calls in and says, well, they were leading at one point in the third quarter. They, they were beating them in the third quarter, he said. It was 24 to 22. I don't know. I watched that game, and the and the Bucks seemed like they had that game under control for the majority of the game. Got it locked up. And I'm not talking Akon, Rowdy. How about this, though? Boston Celtics shoot 53 pointers. They made 18 of them. 50 three-point attempts. Wow. There's no way that happens again. Like, that's insane. You're just, that was a Mace convention out there. My God. 50, Rowdy. Three-point attempts. 18 of 50. Bucks went 12 of 34. And let's not forget, though, I think the Celtics got away with a lot of fouls. I mean, a little home cooking there, you know, like I know the, the one clip is, is Giannis going up 
to like dunk the basketball and it's Al Horford just like hacking the hell out of him. <laughs> yeah. And it's Doris Burke underneath saying, Oh, that's good defense. Good solid. De-, as it's clearly like gets hit across the arm, yeah. raked across the, yeah, raked across the forearm, bumped with an elbow and like all this major contact that was yeah. totally it's a great foul. defense. It was like, you got, you didn't get any of those would be fouls called on you at home. <laughs> Imagine if the Bucks win game two and then they go back to the Pfizer. Yeah, they just get it done. Giannis, I mean, we saw it in game. Uh, we saw it in the first round series against the Bulls. The Giannis with the alley oop off the backboard to himself. This one yesterday, much more impressive. Williams, stout defense, threw it to himself. Oh, he's eviscerating the Celtics inside. Wow. I love it, Rowdy eviscerating, eviscerating the Boston Celtics. Word of the series, eviscerating. Take that, take that, take that. Well, to his point about people look like they're happy to be here, look at some of the roster that's around Giannis. So, Brooke Lopez, remember when he took that uh, one deal for, was it like $3.9 million? It was like that special clause deal. Yep. And then he decided to stay and they threw more money. He got a bigger contract, but he probably could have really tested the market and got more than what the Bucks even got him. Totally. Bobby Portis came here last year and took a team friendly deal and then stayed and took another team friendly deal this year because he loved the city. Mm-hmm. They won a ring, wanted to uh to try and go back to back. And then Pat Connaughton was another guy that took a, a deal where he probably could have got a little bit more money to go elsewhere, but he wanted to stay in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And you look at those three guys, all three of those guys are pretty big time role players for the bucks and currently playing pretty well, especially since Chris Middleton has gotten hurt. Oh, they're vibing, dude. They're vibing off the charts. I love this. Uh, another back to back banger tweets from our guy, juice man, Joe 41 on Twitter. What up brother? Uh, he hits my account up. Ebo says, quote, one of the best parts of Giannis's game is that even when he's not scoring efficiently, he's affecting the game in other ways, i.e. rebounding, playmaking, defense, and just like that passing I was talking about, too. Well, that's like he he played decent. He had a triple-double. Like, he shot the ball 25 do- times. He didn't shoot the ball efficiently. Yeah. He didn't make one from behind the arc. And he shot, what, roughly 55% from the line? So, I mean, he had a bad game at the line. He had a bad game from behind the arc. And he had a bad game just shooting the basketball in general. He still had 20-plus points, double-digit rebounds, double-digit assists. Yep, 24 points, 13 rebounds, 12 assists to go with two blocks. Our guy, the Greek freak. Wow. He is the man. And it wasn't even that great of a game from him. It was a good game. It wasn't that great of a wasn't great, but it was good. Um, this whole Bucks team has just been able to lift themselves up with the absence of Chris Middleton, and the Boston Celtics are going to find out the hard way. They're going to they're going to get it, and they got it yesterday at TD Garden. The Garden was quiet, rowdy yesterday. From those loud, obnoxious jack wagons to then being silenced is uh, yeah, and I mean pretty Bo- nice. Boston fans knew it was over too because they were heading to the exits early. <laughs> yeah, totally. So we mentioned the difference between this Bucks team from beginning of the year now. You know one of the biggest differences from last year to this year in the playoffs? Grayson Allen. Instead of Jeff Teague playing 10 minutes a game off the bench, yes. Javon Carter's good. Yeah, he's, he, dude, we were, Rowdy and I were kind of banging on him a little bit in the Bulls series just because he looked a little it's lost. But what was that, game well, two when they lost? because the entire regular season, when they had him, what, the second half of the year, he literally came in when they were up by 20 
or down by 20 and there's like five minutes left. Yeah. Like that, that was his role. Now all of a sudden it's the playoffs and Middleton goes out and he's coming in and actually playing 20 plus minutes and playing pretty well. Yeah. 22 minutes, two of four from the field, one of two from three. What's his plus minus? Um, plus 25. He had the best plus minus on the team. Next would be Giannis at plus 23. Do I dare say? <laughs> well, he's clearly the MVP. Carter's the MVP of the series so he's far? He's clearly the, the MVP for the Boston series. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, Mitch did bring up a comment about the uh, Giannis after the game saying how he likes being beat up. He likes the feeling of just going through the meat grinder of a game. Take a listen. Here's uh, what Giannis did say after the game. First of all, I don't know. Maybe I'm weird. I thrive through physicality. Like, I love feeling beat up after games. I don't know why. My family think I'm a, I'm a weirdo. But, like, when the game, you know, finish, I just kind of look at my body. If I don't feel like I'm, like, beat up or, like, you know, I was physical enough or they were physical to me, I feel like I didn't give everything for my team. So, obviously, everybody feels a little bit beat up, our team, their team. But at the end of the day, it's the playoffs. You got to, you know, get ready mentally and physically for game two. And you can never take nothing for granted. You got to come out and uh, set the tone again. I mean, Giannis just puts it on the line every night. You know who's probably feeling really beat up after yesterday's performance? It would be Jason Tatum after Giannis and Nakumbo just threw him around like a rag doll on the court. How funny was that, Rowdy? He's just getting punked. Punked. And the Celtics didn't shoot the ball well. Ooh, not at all. Been 53-pointers attempted by the Boston Celtics yesterday. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot. I, like, I, I didn't see that stat, but the eye test said that was, that was what they were trying. I 50. Mean, it's, I, I was talking to George Belecci this morning. Yeah, about, we're going to get him on tomorrow. About the game. You are. Yeah, I'm going to reach out to him. Oh, right George on. said anytime I need him. So, I, well, especially after that game, I think it'll be an enjoyable well, interview. Well, remember, we were filling in for Bill on Friday, and George was talking about how great the top to the bottom of Celtics were. I'm like, George, we have the Terminator named Giannis Adendokounmpo. Yeah. Like, I'm sure he's running in your guys' nightmares. All night, especially after what, what he did with the triple-double. The biggest difference to me was when the Celtics played the Nets, they could go after someone, no matter who was on the court, on the offensive side. Like, you could go after Seth Curry with anybody on your on your offensive unit and score. There's nobody on the Bucks you could do that to. So when the, when there aren't any good miss, uh, good mismatches, any good matchups when you're on offense, then you settle for 53s. I think we 50. talk about the improvement and, like, the evolution of... Giannis and his game, how he went from really starting to hit the scene in like 2018, 19 and continually getting better and better, Mm -hmm. like adding one little thing to his game every single year since. And I think look no further than some of the, the postseason games where he matched up with Al Horford before. Yeah. And Al Horford, remember they, they kind of deemed him as a guy that could, could match up with Giannis. Contain Giannis. Yeah. Well, now he played, like we would say, we would say decent. He didn't play great. He played decent. Yeah. There was a lot of volume shooting, but he was getting hacked by Al Horford. He still put up 20 plus points, grabbed multi or double digit rebounds and had double digit assists. And that was something where remember, man, three, four, three, four years ago when he was matching up with Al Horford in the playoffs, it was literally him running into the brick wall and just foul, foul, yep, yep. miss free throw, miss free throw. They put up the turnover, the turnover. Wall. They can't do that anymore. He just brushed right through it, dude. Another brick in the wall, not Giannis. He I would even say him. Al Horford did a pretty good job, as good as you can do. I mean, what, the only thing you can do is just kind of contain Giannis. Right. You're never going to stop Which, him. And, and, and Giannis didn't play like he didn't shoot the ball that well. I would say like that might be the best defensive showing the Celtics could put out on Giannis, and they still lost by 12. <laughs> uh, Giannis talks about uh, the that dunk that he had. 
off the backboard. That was cool. That was awesome. I mean, he did it against the Bulls, but this one was much more electric. Giannis talks about it. What did I see? I had the ball, and I was like, oh, crap. Uh, I'm going to get stuck, you know? Then I uh, threw it to the backboard. You know, I'm lucky enough that, that God blessed me with uh, the ability to be able to uh, jump have a quick jump and go get it again, and I was able to uh, finish the play. Yeah, here's what he's talking about. God blessing with the, this ability right here for the Greek freak. Williams, stout defense, threw it to himself. Oh, he's eviscerating the Celtics inside. Wow. Wow, indeed. Love it from the Greek freak. Giannis also talks about, you know, it was that game two loss against the Bulls. They really turned it around after that. He talks about why they're playing so much better. Says losing to the Bulls in that game two game. I think we play way, way, way hard defensively. We've realized in order for us to be in the game, in order for us to win games, we got to guard. And uh, offensively, like, obviously one of our best scorers not out there. So we know that we got to guard. And then offensively, we're going to figure out, is that going to be Drew playing all the dribble, pick and rolls, post up? Is that going to be Grayson, Bobby, me, Brooke, whoever it's going to be? We're going to figure out offensively. But at the end of the day, if we don't guard, we're not, we don't have a chance of uh, being in the game. So I think after game two, we're like, we got to start guarding people. We got to, like... Take that pride defensively. Because you remember, uh, boys, it was game one against the Bulls and game two. They just looked like a completely different team than what we thought the Milwaukee Bucks were. Like, they were going through the motions. They weren't really, you know, I don't want to say they weren't trying, but it looked like just a team that seemed a little lethargic coming into the playoffs. And then Giannis was talking about just clamping down on defense and their philosophy moving forward. It's just going to be defense, defense, defense. You know, it starts from everybody, from Drew, from Wes, from me, Brooke, Bobby, everybody that steps on the floor. We got to, like, have that individual pride and keep guys in front of us. And um, then as a team, we got to finish with a rebound. At the end of the day, like, no matter what happens in offense, if we're going to score the ball, if we're going to turn the ball over, no matter who's going to shoot it defensively, we got to do it together. We got to make it as tough as possible for them. All right, Ben. Oh, yeah, ready? No, I was just going to say, like, I was mentioning kind of like Giannis's evolution and getting better and how you can just see how just the difference in three, four years about how how much harder it is for Al Horford to stop him than what it was. Mm-hmm. But how about also giving credit to some of the other players on the team, like the shooters and John Horst, the GM, that finally surrounded Giannis with shooters? Because remember in those series, like when they were losing to the Raptors? No one could make any outside shots. Nope. It was like Giannis would get to the paint. He'd get fouled and miss free throws. And then when he was making free throws and then like dunking it on people, they'd finally start setting up like that picket fence, that wall. He'd kick it out and no one could ever hit a shot. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. And it was just like, oh my God, it was just so, it was tough to watch because it, it was either. Well, that's when they had, what's his nuts from the Bulls? Uh, Nikola Meritic, and he was that what you're talking about that series where he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. It, no one could. They eventually just benched him. Like, Chris Middleton. Bum, Chris Middleton wasn't hitting shots, but it was literally like, okay, Giannis was going to take the ball and he was going to go right down the middle, and he was either going to dunk it on your head, get fouled and miss the free throws, <laughs> or he was going to pass it to a wide open shooter that couldn't hit the shot. And they just break the hell out of it. And now you got guys like Bobby Portis, Pat Connaughton, Grayson Allen that are all hitting threes. And shooting the ball really well. Drew Holiday shooting nice from beyond the arc too yesterday. And this team and this team is just well oiled right now. So Ben, uh, Rowdy and I were talking about earlier today. We didn't like give an official like series prediction. Uh, We both said what Bucks and seven, Rowdy. We were thinking before before yesterday. Like if you were to ask us last week, Bucks and seven. We didn't we didn't really talk much about it just because of the first round. 
But after Sunday, you're saying, well, after yesterday, yeah. what are you saying? No, no, I, I thought in my mind I was going to say Bucks in, in seven. I think the Bucks make it back to the NBA Finals. But, man, after watching that game with Giannis not having the greatest game and you got some of the role players continuing to play well, I wouldn't be surprised if they do it in five or six. What did I say when we were together on Thursday? You said a lot of things. I, I said I talked a lot. A lot of nonsense. Uh, I, uh, here's, the th- here's the thing, though, Ben. I killed a lot of brain cells over the weekend, so you're going to have to remind me. I think I said Bucks win in six last Thursday. Sounds familiar. But I wanted to not say it in the way that, you know, it was said Like Brandon last Jennings year. say it? Like I think the Bucks, Bucks win in six games. It is a six-game series. I'm going to stick by that prediction. I do think the Celtics turn it around, find something. I think they'll win a game in Milwaukee because for some reason the Bucks don't look as good at home as they do on the road right yeah, they now. They look nice on the road. Uh, so, yeah, I'll stick with six. And I'm I'm thinking Bucks and six at the most. So yeah, Bucks and six, and not because of you know the the culture, the Brandon Jennings saying. Just it is what it is. Can we just can we just be thankful that the Milwaukee Bucks won an NBA Finals, and really the Bucks and six isn't as big of a joke as it used to be. Yeah, because well, people used, to, used be, to just beat that horse to death. Yeah, because it used to be, hey, we're just gonna get spanked. Well, let's just say Bucks and six for tee hee ha ha, little laughs. Now it's you know, dude. Bucks and six. That might be a disappointing series then. Yeah, thick cheddar. I'm glad he. No. Oh, Drew Bledsoe? Drew. Or uh, Eric Bledsoe, excuse me. <laughs> Either or, both yeah. would have shot awfully. <laughs> and Eric Bledsoe was tough in the playoffs. Drew Holiday now. Very important. Him and Mike Budenholzer had a little blow up in the first quarter after a bunch of turnovers, and he just starts going lights out. Great coaching job from Coach Bud. Give Booty extension. Hey, Bobby, if you're listening, the president of the Booty fan club, the Mike Budenholzer fan club. Hell yeah. Nelson? He'd still be, uh, it was a, what have you done for me lately? Like, yeah, he won the championship, but you, you still have one more year left on this deal. Let's see what you got for your last Dude, year. Is there Back nothing, against the wall. Is there nothing more meaningless than the in-between quarter interviews with the reporter and the coach? Yes. Like, hey, Mike Budenholzer, what do you think? He's like, yeah, we just got to pass the ball, I'll limit turnovers, put it in the hoop. They're like, oh, yeah, great insight, coach. Uh, what do you think? What did you think about the turnovers, though? Uh, seven in the first quarter. Yep, again, just ball security. Oh, uh, we got to make sure we're uh, passing with, you know, purpose. And then just, you know, execute our game plan. It's like, I. <laughs> and the, or you have guys like uh, Greg Popovich, who's just a dick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's the point of those interviews? Yeah, and then if you look at the other team in Milwaukee, the Brewers casually took two out of three from the Cubs. Yeah, yesterday. A little disheartening because there's only three effing hits, but they used them all up Saturday and Friday. Yeah, what a disappointing way for a loss for Corbin Burns. Going, what, seven innings, striking out ten? Four hits, two earned runs for Corbin Burns. And taking a loss. But yeah, yeah, Brewers, oh, and by the way, very, very quietly for the Brewers, third best month of April in franchise history. Yeah. 15 and 7, now 15 and 8 overall after yesterday's loss. They had, um, um, it was, I think it was after... Now keep in mind I had a I had a long weekend, okay? We had a my brother's bachelor party, long weekend. Rowdy, I think is it safe to see you kind of a long weekend too? Yeah, definitely a long <laughs> Sunday. Well, yeah, we yesterday was long days for Rowdy and I, but uh, I was this was on yes, this is where my timeline gets a little blurry. I can't remember if it was Friday or Saturday that I saw the tweet, but the Brewers were off to their best start. Um their best 20 game start since going 15 and 5 to begin the 2014 season. So I saw that, uh, and that would have been Friday. I saw that on Friday, Rowdy, uh, after the Brewers. Um, yeah, yeah, Friday I saw that before the Cubs game. So the Brewers are off to their best start since the 2014 season. Now, I don't want to, like, 
equate this to the 2014 season because uh, we're just going to keep that out of the back of our 2014 season is when they came out of the gates, one of the best teams in baseball for the first two months. Then, if you remember, that was the Wei Chong Wang season. Wei Chong Wang Wednesdays. Yeah, th- that was the Wei Chong Wang season, and then Ryan Braun really played crappy. Yeah, the so second half of that season, and the, the Brewers the pitching just completely fell apart. But here's the thing: this is a different version. This is a different team than the 2014 team because the pitching is incredible. It's the bats that you're. Well, I don't know how to take this, and something we're going to talk about. The first, I mean, Friday and Saturday was an absolute hit party for the Milwaukee Brewers. They took the Chicago Cubs and absolutely just spanked the living hell out of them. Yesterday, there's nothing. It was three hits. So I'm going to take obviously the better of it, the two games as opposed to the one. But it was a little disappointing when he had so many hits Friday and Saturday, so many runs uh, to then not really doing anything. But dude, Christian Yelich. Back to back games with home one uh, home runs, Rowdy. Gotta be feeling good about Yelly. Little sign of life in that bat when you can go back. Yeah, to that's bat. what we said. And then he went on like a week and a half bender where he was awful. <laughs> yeah, it turns out Rowdy uh, here, Yelly, don't go on the bender where you're awful. Rowdy and I went on our own benders for you. Therefore, you can continue to be good. So Milwaukee Brewers taking two out of three over the Cubs are off tonight, and then they take on the Reds tomorrow. Yeah, so I I told you with the Brewers. Uh, for the month of April, third best month of April in franchise history. Uh, 1987, they finished 18 and three. 2014, they were 20 and eight, and then obviously this year, 15 and seven. Hell yeah, the Brew Crew. Well, Isn't that been like the this like the most low key amount of winning? Yes, because it just seems like they still aren't playing that great of baseball. Yes. Like Which obviously be scary for the rest of the major league baseball. Yeah, like obviously they put up some runs against the Pirates and they put up some runs lately here against the Cubs, mm-hmm. but overall the offense has still been meh. Yeah. And the pitching outside of the first week that was overall pretty bad the first week of the season has been pretty damn good yeah. since then. Yeah. And the bullpen again has been solid. So I mean, they, once the offense starts coming around collectively, rowdy all together, then the rest of Major League Baseball is going to be put on notice. The Brewers are fifteen and eight, and I still feel like there's a sour taste in my mouth. What about you? Yeah, it's kind of the same thing, more or less, because you look at the offense, you look at the averages, and man, outside of Hunter Renfro, who's gotten red hot the last couple of weeks, like you look at those batting averages and you kind of like have a weird look at it, like a, a side eye going. Ooh, those aren't that good looking, but, but I mean, they're, they're continuing to win games now. Yeah. I, I did hear a lot of people talking about, well, they've played 12 games against the pirates and the Cubs. So what? Guess what? They're going to play 19 against those, both of those two teams every <laughs> yeah. single year. Yeah. That just happens when you play, I don't know, in the NL central and you play, you know, the people in your division. Oh baby. Fly the L. Not once, but twice over the weekend that was. Your Milwaukee Brewers did fall yesterday, though, to the Chicago Cubs. But taking two out of three to quote Meatloaf, R.A.P., two out of three ain't bad. Brewers atop of the NL Central, sitting at the sultry record of 15-8. and eight. Next would be the Cardinals at 12-9. and nine. Pirates and Cubs, both 9-13. and 13. And then this. <laughs> and the Cincinnati Reds. Woofta. Three and nineteen. That is the worst mark in all of the majors. I Brewers off tonight. They do take on the Reds at American Family Field starting tomorrow. By God, three and nineteen. They are a one and nine. Their last ten, one and seven at home, and actually two and twelve. 
away. Uh, Rowdy, over the weekend, though, how about the Brew Crew, man? Uh, Christian Yelich back-to-back games with home runs as they spanked the living hell out of the Cubs Friday night, 11-1, to and then again Saturday, 9-1. to uh, We'll talk about the first two games. Brewers offense coming alive. For the first Friday and Saturday games. The- yeah, I mean, 20 runs. 20 runs in the first two games against the Cubs. It's hard to lose baseball games when you're averaging 10 runs a game. Yeah, that's, what's the normal average? Four? four well, that's that's the thing. Normally, if you can score about four and a half runs per game, you're normally going to be in the top half. And now the Brewers last year were just under uh, four and a half runs per game, and I think they finished 12th in baseball for, for runs per game. Well, remember, they were in the bottom five like a week ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they, we were, we were lamenting that, over that offense was not playing very well. I think they were they were scoring less than 3.3 runs per game, and they were in the bottom five. And the, the only other teams that were worse than them were teams that were god-awful, that were rebuilding. Mm-hmm. And or were just completely scrapped of talent. So how about, remember when the the Brewers just kicked the living snot out of the Pirates and everyone had a hit but Christian Yelich? And we were like, how was, like, you got to feel for your, bad about yourself there. Well, Friday night, literally everyone, it was a hit parade. Everyone had a hit Friday night. And Yelly, the home run, which was a nice dinger. So I, I just pulled it up here right now. Through Sunday's games, I told, we, were, we talked about it all the time. Hmm. They're in the bottom five for runs per game with that series, with that series where they scored 20 runs in three games and 20 <laughs> runs in two games. Cause they didn't score yesterday. Uh-huh. And unfortunately Corbin Burns had to take an L even though he pitched a hell of a game. The Milwaukee Brewers went from bottom five to 16th hell yeah. and they, they raised their runs per game by nearly eight Tenths of a run moving on up. <laughs> that's that's incredible. And if and if they were back to where they were last season for runs per game, they would currently be in 11th. All right. We'll take it. So so offense has been improving. Hunter Renfro has been red. Dude, hot. Renfro has been crushing it, man. Three RBIs on Friday against the Cubs. Christian Yelich had two good games. Yep. And then you go look at Saturday Makes when they won nine the to one. Hunter Renfro again, two, B, two RBIs back to back games. Yelly again with a home run. Uh, Rowdy Telez with a hot stick. Telez have been hitting some dingers again. I mean, everyone. I just, you know what I think is really funny? The the thing that I saw some people that were scoffing about the Brewers when they literally had their third best April in franchise history record wise with winning percentage. Yep. 15 and 7. Now currently 15 and 8, taking the L yesterday to the Cubs May 1st. But. All you see the detractors on Twitter and online are saying, yeah, well, they've played six games against the Pirates and Cubs already. That's 12 out of their 23 games. Well, last time I checked, Roddy, you play your opponent in your division. Yeah, and if we're going to make those type of excuses, well, they play the freaking Reds this week at American Family Field. Starting tomorrow. The Reds are so bad. <laughs> the Reds are terrible. They the shouldn't Reds even are, be in Major League Baseball. The Reds are three and... The Reds are three and nineteen, and they started the season two and two. Put them in Triple A already, like they're bad, dude. They're one in and seven. India just went on the D, uh, yeah, IL. And, he, and he's one of their better players. Yeah, they have like one good player, and Joey Votto's old. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's good. They're they are one in seventeen in their last eighteen games. Benjamin, you had some of the tip of your tongue there. Yeah, there's there's one guy that I, I did not foresee on the Brewers becoming you know one of the best pitchers in the MLB. Uh, I am absolutely in love with Eric Lauer. Dude, Eric Lauer's, yeah, he's balling. I love, I like that trade when they made it and took a lot of heat because if you remember when they made that trade, Lu- Luis Arias 
was basically what Orlando Arcia was or what they hoped Orlando Arcia could become. But he was like three years younger and there was way more upside there. And then Lauer had a really good season actually for San Diego in 2019. He was their opening day starter. Dude, Lauer, 11 strikeouts, seven innings, five hits on Saturday. He's 2 and didn't, 0. Didn't he just have 16? How many did he have the start before? against 13. the Phillies. Yeah. He has 34 Ks in 23 innings this He's year. He's balling, dude. But remember how that trade started out because people were freaking out because it was horrible. They tra- well they traded away Trent Grisham who came onto the scene and was like balling out in his first year with San Diego. Formerly known as Trent Clark. And it was Zach Davies and he was kind of like that whole hum average Zach Davies and you're like, "Oh my god, they lost this trade. Arias is like a quadruple A player. He's just not quite making it. Lauer has looked awful." And that was the 2020 season where Lauer was like around someone that got COVID and that was when you yeah, were it was a close contact. Yeah. And then when you were close contact, you had to, he cause shelved. he, he was throwing the ball well in the beginning of spring training and then it got stopped halfway through Yep, then was around a close contact. And then I think he got COVID. So he missed all that. Then he, then he hardly even pitched in the summer camp mm-hmm. and then he came out and had to try and get himself right with really no real spring training and, or even summer camp on a new team. Yeah, I mean, and, and, been great. And, and he hadn't, he just, it didn't click in 2020, 2021. He was pretty solid. And now, yeah, this season, So Ben, you didn't expect much from Lauer or just a nice little pleasant surprise. I mean, I expected him to be a good four or sure. a good five. I did not expect him to be one of only, I think 20 left-handed pitchers to top 96. I didn't expect him for his cutter to start hitting 93, 94 instead of high eighties. I, I didn't expect him to strike out 13 guys in six innings. Well, he gives a ton of credit to the Milwaukee Brewers pitching the coach pitching and lab. their pitching lab, the lab which yeah, is the damn pitching machine. The pitching lab also rejuvenated Corbin Burns. Now, Corbin Burns had a lot more ability than Eric Lauer to begin with, but yeah, Corbin Burns went all the way down to double A before going to the pitching lab and getting his mind. It was all mental. When he really, what did he really dive into his uh, cutter, his cutter? So Corbin, I mean, Corbin Burns, a victim of just no offense yesterday. He's pitched great. Well, okay. What about Friday? What did you think of uh, Hauser going six innings, two hits, six strikeouts? Hauser has been like just that real steady pitcher for them the last few years. Like the sinker, extremely good, gets ground balls like crazy. But I feel like a lot of people are talking about Lauer because of the, you know, the pitching lab story. Yeah. Hauser's like the forgotten guy, right? Just because he's like quietly solid every single time. You never hear really too much about him. And he was a guy that he was in the Josh Hader deal. And he and he was a he was a a, a prospect in the minors for Houston that they liked, but he couldn't stay healthy. Mm-hmm. He had like multiple arm injuries. Then he gets traded to Milwaukee, and he's hanging out in Double and Triple A. They bring him up as a relief pitcher. And gets a few starts. I think that was at the end of the 2019 season. Or was that 2018? They all kind of blur together at these Yeah, Does this t- time even matter anymore? But, uh, yeah, kind of got a little run, showed a little flashes here and there. But some people are like, oh, scoffed about how he wasn't good. Or scoffed about how he shouldn't get starts. Mm-hmm. Now look at him. Yeah. You, have, you had Brandon Woodruff, who came out of the scene in 2017 and pitched decently well. He he was a guy that no one really talked about because he came out of the scene the exact same time as Josh Hader. He was forgotten about. Mm-hmm. Corbin Burns was a top prospect that won minor league pitcher of the year for him. Comes up pretty decent in 2018, makes a start or two, and then comes out of the bullpen. It was actually a nice little bullpen piece in that 2018 playoffs. 
gets into the rotation, gets absolutely shelled, mentally loses it. They some people want to throw him in the trash. <laughs> Freddie Peralta got you know called up for that early day start and what was it uh, Mother's Day of 2018? Yep, had a really good start and then you know with the moniker uh, fastball Freddie threw 75 percent of, of the time a fastball and batters started to rock it. Yep, people wanted to get rid of him. I was actually in that camp as well. No more say no no to fastball Freddie, but then he's like, all right, I'm, I'm going to get a change up and what else did you work slider. on? A slider and now slider's he's nice. his big one because yeah. he, he, he always had the fastball and the get me over curveball, but then he he started throwing like the average change up, but the slider was his big got a little big nasty. trick. Get but nasty. like I said, with Make with Adrian nasty. Hauser, you had a lot of people in 18 and 19 saying, "Why is this guy doing this?" Now look at where he's at, and we would just talked about Eric Lauer. Pretty much at one point in time. Everyone in that rotation, and they're all throwing the ball well, has been either wrote off or fans have said it's time to get rid of them. Cross them off the list then. And look at them now, Rowdy. And now they had arguably one of the best rotations in baseball the last couple of years. Love it.